Hey everyone, Assalamualaikum. Hope you're all safe, sound, and healthy. And today we're going to talk about some naked thoughts concerning lots of little little things. Mainly, and this is something that I've been stressing about for quite some time. Um, I think we as a society, one of the biggest psychological problems that we have created. for the new generation is sexualizing everything and i think this is a problem that was created uh, in our generation too and but instead of decreasing it's only increasing uh, we have sexualized every single thing in life we have sexualized every movement every gesture every relationship um and every thought uh and i think that that is actually the wrong way to go about it see the if you go way back to uh romance and uh the the theme of sex the running theme of sex and all first of all you need to understand how things always start why they start and the reason why i guess you can understand they are never allowed to start in the first place because they do eventually end in the same way that people fear they do so if you start something then i think in a way you t- you take responsibility for the way it ends uh for example the whole idea of pda uh, was uh, shunned upon uh you know and even if we had those programs we had them post watershed right uh so that was like for the adults and all even now as you know we always have these pg variations on different tv shows that we put up but um as a screenwriter as a producer and as a novelist myself um uh, i would tell you that i do understand the reason why in the first place uh the uh, you know pda was not liked and uh, why it was brought into the screen and then why and uh, now again it might have to people might have to decide to sort of decrease its appearances on screen in the beginning uh, as we know pda was shunned because uh, public display of affection was not something that was uh, considered decent and i'll tell you again why because psychologically even today no matter how much we talk about the freedom of pda the truth is we all are very acutely aware of what a personal intimate act it is uh when you choose to display affection for another person right and it's called intimate for a reason it's called an intimate act for a reason because it is intimate so it's not something that you would always like to uh display in front of public um because it is an it is something that is deeply personal it is something that locks your relationship with the other person and something that is personal is considered private for a good reason because uh when as long as it is personal as long as it is private its value remains and whether you like to agree with it or not this this is this is a fact okay this is a fact that we cannot uh object to or we cannot defy or we cannot debate on although i know many have liked to do that and you i myself too sometimes you know i would like to debate within myself as to the exceptions to the rule but remember they're called exceptions to the rule for a reason they're exceptions so again the reason why uh pda was then brought onto the screen was 
to normalize it um, so that people should understand that this is something that is expected between people who have intimate relationship with each other and that there is no harm in them displaying that affection for each other again so you see it is fine that they were trying to normalize it because they felt that it was made too much of a big deal but you see that's the problem again that while trying to normalize it we again made it into that much of a big deal at this point why because at first um it did become normal yes it became normal to such an extent that we have desensitized the people regarding intimate acts and so these intimate acts are now more of imitative acts they become cliched acts but then here again lies another problem <laughs> because see not all of us have the same background and so not all of us have come from the same culture and at the same time not all of us watch the same shows the same dramas the same films so what to one uh, for example audience would be an understood cliche to somebody else uh, might not at all be something that he's aware of i'll give you a very small example um for example the little little intimate acts uh, that were heightened or highlighted when public display of affection was freshly brought in on, onto the screen uh, were acts of uh, intimacy for example holding each other's hands kissing somebody on the forehead um the uh, linking of fingers um you know like lightly tapping somebody on the shoulder ruffling somebody's hair so uh, as we say apparently innocent acts that are actually intimate so that's how they were basically you know uh shown that innocent acts because this uh, uh you know because that is originally how they even started slowly uh displaying intimacy on screen um you know to go through censorship and also because they imitated real life because in those days as i said uh, even in real life public display of affection was shunned upon and so people uh they would be very tentative uh, very cautious very careful in the way they handled each other uh in public especially and even when not in public you can say so it was always these little innocent acts that you would platonically do with your uh platonic relationships as well and again as i said and i come to that uh, this is also where the problem also begins now so for example um holding the hand of somebody and putting it in your pocket now this is supposed to be an intimate act but again i'll tell you to many people in real life now many of these cliched acts are what they really are outdated or cliched or you know they are desensitized over these or some of them are just not even aware of the fact that these acts are um considered also sexual and not just platonic so for example if there is somebody who just who's not really aware of how these acts have been portrayed uh in certain you know uh cultures or in certain screens or you know in certain plays and dramas and movies and scripts um to them if you're holding hands they're like okay yeah so i mean you know you hold your father's hand you hold your mother's hand you hold your sister's hand you hold your friend's hands in some cultures holding hands are are very very platonic so if somebody tries to imitate uh, an intimate gesture and try to hold somebody's uh, uh, another person's hand and think that you know this person will get the message that i'm trying to send um yeah well you know uh, 50 50 here 50% of the time the person probably doesn't even know what you're trying to 
tell that person. To that person, it might just be something that's part of the norm. So, um, you know, like, uh, again, if you're if you have become at a, at a at a certain comfortable level in a relationship with somebody and you know so in that case holding hands tapping each other uh ruffling each other's hair um tweaking somebody's cheek or chin or nose you know or you know just holding somebody or putting their hands in your pocket or something none of these things would be considered sexual and I'm being very honest here, and I know there are many people here who would agree with me. Even though, again, you see, there's that audience that has been um, fed these intimate acts as intimate, as sexual. So to them, it's like, how can you call it platonic? I mean, it's it's obvious, but you see, it's not obvious to everybody. So that is that that is one of the the uh, problems that come with mixed signals. You know, when we call them mixed signals, this is also in a way part of that. That is part of that mixed signals thing that's going on. Uh, on the other hand, things that are very, very obviously sexual are obviously uh, the actual intimate acts, uh, such as closing that, uh, crossing that personal space um, in, in an obvious way. Um, you know, trying to get physical with somebody in an obvious way. Um, like, uh, you know, the way you hug somebody, for example, can tell a lot. Uh, the way, but you know, again, uh, in now, for example, in our culture, hugging is part of our culture, but obviously never with the opposite sex. But again, with the opposite sex, too, hugging can be a very platonic and normal uh, part of our culture when you're doing it amongst relatives. So, you see, this is where it all comes in. Uh, for example, you will have cousins, you will have uh, uncles and aunts and you know you're all hugging each other in a culture that's big on hugging and big on you know platonic uh, public display of affection so in certain cultures it's kissing you know air kisses which we say you know like uh, on the left cheek on the right cheek as we know in certain parts of Europe it is considered normal so but there is one thing that in every single culture you would know and that's obvious that it's a sexual act and that is when you're kissing somebody on the, the lips, for example, or when you're hugging somebody in what is obviously a wrong way, which the other person would feel uncomfortable, or when you are uh, encroaching upon somebody's personal space, which normally you would not do in the kind of relationship that you have with that person. So again, uh, as I said, it varies from person to person and it varies from uh, background to background and it varies from culture to culture. But, you know, uh, this is why we cannot always um, take it for granted that the acts, the little acts of intimacy that we are trying to convey to the other person could be received as exactly those kind of intimate sexual acts. So that's number one. Now, number two, as I said, we have sexualized even platonic um, uh, gestures and acts of which is why actually it has created an even bigger problem because now you get even more confused because you don't know if that person is being platonic with you or if that person is being sexual. Uh, so that is another drawback that came from constantly, um, you know, mandating uh, sexual intimacy or 
sexual re relationships or basically sexualizing everything on screen. Okay, so we've gone from the innocent acts becoming sexual to the sexual acts becoming more blatant. And so you begin with the, uh, with the what the frat moments and then at the end you get so used to those moments that they're not what the frat moments anymore until a new what the frat moment begins. So that is how we keep on changing the meaning of, of uh, physical gestures. Okay, just like how language develops and uh, evolves with time and words sort of tend to transcend their original meanings similarly our physical acts also tend to transcend their original meanings and that is where the problem arises again as i said because not everybody would catch on to that new trending meaning um now when we sexualize every single relationship the dangers that come in is basically uh, removing that that uh, option we could say or the diversity or variety in relationships in life which is very dangerous it's absolutely dangerous psychologically speaking as well um, I think most of us are practically unhinged because of this very seemingly trivial anomaly in our lives uh, the fact that you now do not know that there is a barrier in certain relationships it's you know it's like um it's all better off you know it, it's kind of that kind of a situation now where it's all better off so every every single relationship has been sexualized and every uh, every single person in the gen in this generation and especially the next um they've sort of been brainwashed into this configuration uh, which is why they are unable to have healthy normal relationships and then we lament on their anti-social uh, phenomena but you see that is where actually one of the root causes of anti-social behavior that is stemmed from the from our generation as well as the generation especially the generation after us we are a little more normal than them because as we were growing up um, sexualization of uh, relationships were not yet the norm but uh, you could say in my generation which is generation Y uh, you can say by the time we hit 20s even it was not fully sexualized and I think it's um, this, this is those of us who are right now who have just entered our 40s right the 1980s uh, people who were born in the 1980s those who were born in the 1990s you could say when they hit 20s that's when everything had become sexualized so for us it was when we hit 30s you could say so there's that uh now now everything is so overblown uh, um that i remember because you know even when i was doing my um my project my final project of my masters and it was essentially a spy uh, uh, script. It was a spy story and it was a script about a person who is working undercover and about how uh, nobody even knows that, that she's a spy. And so I don't, I actually keep her espionage life uh, at the background and in the foreground is her life as an ordinary person and slowly, slowly revealing her background as a spy. So my teacher um, actually helped me with two things. Um, he wanted me to bring more of that espionage thing out in the foreground 
which I uh, was a bit scared to do because I did not want it to be full-blown thriller but at the same time I did want to at that at that time I was not very confident about writing uh, very good uh, mystery oriented thrillers you know I thought I would just mess it up but that was uh, and he was an extremely good help there when he kept pushing me towards that although he kind of enjoyed the the, the black humor that I had put in into the regular daily life thing and the slow move the, the slow reveal you can say of her background but he wanted more of that background because I guess he was right that that would hold more interest you know more uh, it would attract more so yeah but this the other thing that he kept telling me to do was to add uh, some even minor even if minor but some some sexual content uh, like maybe you know an intimate an intimate content like kissing or you know a little or like snogging or like a little bit more on that level but I that I steadfastly refused why because it had nothing to do with the theme of my story nothing at all and just to put it in there why because it is now an essential part of every script or every content that we produce um, you know uh, it's like you know it's like Bollywood in Bollywood um, a film is not a film if there are if there aren't any songs so there has to be you know at least two songs and a third could be thrown in as an item song you know so it was always like it's like without a song your Bollywood film is not a film it's not a complete film so the the that's the problem with the Western scripts now is that a Western script even if it's thriller or suspense or mystery or murder or cozy mysteries or whatever but there has to be some sexual content in it it has to be just thrown there whether it actually has anything to do with it or not you know and to me that was essentially uh, just to me I mean I'm, I'm not offending anybody and I understand again I would say I understand why it's become an important component of, of every single content but to me this was essentially bad writing to just force in some sexual content uh, why you know just to have a hot scene or you know to to entice the, the audiences what little audience may not have been interested in it so but as we know those who are true to the genre you know those fans who are true to a certain genre they do not like these kind of things those of us who love thrillers we don't see why there has to be a sex scene or a nudity scene or a sexual uh, related content uh, in, in, in this murder mayhem mystery that we're watching, you know? So there there is, uh, and in a noir, for example, even in a noir, uh, they've sexualized noir so much as well. And you're thinking that, okay, why does every noir film all of a sudden now have to have some sexual content? It doesn't have to have a sexual content. But so that is how that is how essential it has become now as part of your everyday, uh, you know, uh, content creation, and that too has added to the psychological problems. Again, believe it or not, or agree with it or not, but it's a fact. If you if you can be objective enough to look deep into it, it is a fact, because again, we have numbed. The, gener the coming the new generation uh, we have numbed them and desensitized them to number one sexuality uh, sex acts of intimacy 
and number two, uh, we have numbed them to platonic relationships. So, you know, the innocent and pure relationships that we have in our lives, they, they are what keep us sane. They are what keep our minds healthy. We talk about mental health all the time. One of the root causes of mental instability is not just sexualizing, but over-sexualizing every single thing in life, every act, every word, every relationship. And that is just wrong. You need to back off a bit of that, okay? We need to just take a breath, take two steps back, turn around, and go back to being platonic just for a while to, to appreciate the value of platonic relationships to appreciate the value of variety and diversity in relationships which is a sign of healthy relationships because if you cannot differentiate between your relationships then you have lost uh, all sense of uh, normalcy I mean on one hand you say that people should be able to know what relationship uh, has what effect in your life and what relationship has what place in your life. And then on the other hand, you have just completely annihilated it all by sexualizing every single relationship in your life. From parents to children to brothers to sisters, siblings, and then moving on to, you know, uh, friends and, you know, moving on again to... Because I remember, remember that there was a time when we kept arguing that why can't a man and a woman just be friends? You know, why? Why do they always have to be sexual in relationship? Why can't it be platonic? I think suddenly we have just flipped it over again and we are like, now we're arguing that why should it be platonic? Again, you know, um, there is no black and white here. There are always exceptions to the rule. And this is why even though men and women will uh, most probably always end up in one way or the other in a non-platonic relationship but at the same time that is not necessarily true how many of us have got male friends who have never even once sexualized their relationship with us or never even once have we thought about it uh yeah so many of us there's so many of us because this is real life in real life again there's diversity in relationships regardless of the gender okay and I think it is because of this that we are constantly talking about LGBTQ and their rights and everything as human beings. And so again, this is this is something that I always find very ironic. We always start a movement by talking about the right to choose and then we take away everybody's right to choose. <laughs> Have you noticed that? I mean, seriously, it's like we're always uh, we were always talking about feminism but again the idea of feminism the idea of women being equal um, was something that was a bit alien to the western society to the, in the medieval times and how did they actually um, manage to fight for it was by looking at how the women in the islamic empire lived and they lived as equals they got their inheritance they were not properties or assets and they were never given away by their fathers and they do not take their husband's names. This is how a, a truly Islamic society, uh, this is what it's built on, right? And so on the other hand, 
uh, the Western society that had to fight for these rights, yeah. very rightly so. It's their divine right. It's God-given. In Islam, it's our divine right. It's God-given. But again, so uh, when they had to fight for their rights and they worked so hard on it on feminism, then suddenly this new... Now, the again, what was the root cause here? Non-sexualization of women. Like not treating women as sexual objects because in islam again the whole concept of the dressing of women is so that men should take women more seriously as human beings with brains rather than as sexual objects so when and then suddenly this again got flipped when this this really weird twisted form of feminism started in the western society where women said that even if we you know strip ourselves naked you know that is our empowerment actually that's not your empowerment you just empower the men although as a woman i do actually understand where that again stems from because yes sometimes if i'm in the mood i would also just love to say that you know what who cares but again psychology you have to we are the ones who are arguing about psychology all the time as to how a man and a woman can never be just friends and this is the modern modern western culture that keeps on harping on that so then tell me how is stripping a woman bare naked empowerment of women and how is it not sexualizing women in front of men and how is it not empowering men you know you are actually empowering men when you're stripping yourself down to again becoming that, that same sexual object that the feminist movement fought very hard to eradicate so see that is the irony here so basically we're just going around full circle and and then again as the irony which we will complete now with this next sentence that when we now talk about women rights we talk about women in islam that they're always covered and that is you know they have no freedom of choice hello we do have a freedom of choice it is our choice to cover ourselves and to keep ourselves modest it is our choice to empower ourselves so that men do not see us as sexual objects and they see us as what we really are and that is damn well they're equals okay so Again, now you're talking about freedom to choose. Then who are you to choose what a Muslim woman should wear or should not wear? How is that freedom of choice? If you are advocating for the freedom of choice for the women in Islam, then why are you forcing them to remove their hijabs in your schools in the West? And why are you forcing them to dress uh, less modestly? Why are you forcing them to follow your dress code? So basically, you're saying that you don't have a choice. Um, we just don't like the way you dress. So we want you to dress the way we want you to. And that is it. That is the underlying message here, because I don't see that freedom of choice message going around when you're forcing a woman to uh, nudify herself to fit into your concept of what a woman should wear. You see, that's not freedom of choice. So similarly, similarly, now we'll come to the LGBTQ. Similarly, learning to tolerate and accept the diversity and variety in the human affairs uh, would mean not uh, insulting, offending or killing somebody for being different. But at the same time, it does not mean forcing yourself to be part of that if you don't want to. You know, so again, the concept of 
universalizing or generalizing everybody, putting them into one category. That is what we're fighting against every single time we talk about freedom of choice. And then you go full circle and go back to stripping people of their freedom of choice. So, for example, you are stripping a person who has a problem with the LGBTQ community of his right to have a problem with it, you know. Yes, I mean, he has no right to pass judgments and he definitely has no right to uh, say anything bad to them because they're human beings. And first consideration of humanity is consideration for the other human beings' feelings. Okay, We're not inanimate objects. We're all human beings. We have feelings. And we, that is, again, where freedom of expression also comes. In the Western society, freedom of expression means that you can insult Islam, you can insult the Prophet, you can insult anything and everything that you do not agree with, and that's freedom of speech. But the minute you talk about how Israel has invaded Palestine illegally and how they have committed genocide and war crimes, then that becomes anti-Semitism. This right here is the hypocrisy that we're talking about this right here is what I'm saying that you talk about freedom of speech and freedom of choice but you are actually stripping people of their freedom of both speech and choice so that's not how it works freedom means that you should shut your mouth if it is something you do not like just like how you would expect somebody else to shut their mouth about something they do not like it's really just as simple as that so if I have no problems with the LGBTQ community. That's my own personal, uh, you know, that, that that's just me. That's my own personal attitude towards it. But I have no right to force somebody who does have a problem to accept them completely. Obviously, it's going to take some time. Similarly, for the LGBTQ community to be forced to come out, even if they don't want to, is also a violation of their rights. You can't just force them to come out every day and tell it's up to them. It's their private matter. See, it all boils down to that. It's your privacy. That's another thing we have stripped the new generation of, the sense of privacy, the sense of being private. Your private life is your private life. It's your private life for a reason. Okay? A sexual act is a private act, and it's a private act, again, for a reason. It's not a public act of display. It's something that's intimate. Something that's intimate means it is something that is extremely acutely personal, which means it is extremely acutely private. We need to reteach that value and importance of privacy to the new generation because they are the ones who are going to suffer. We were brought up on the sense of privacy. We were not brought up with the internet and with throwing everything out there. So it's only as we grew older as teenagers that is when we that's when you know the internet came up and then later on social media came up and then you know in the beginning obviously like every like everybody else we moronically tried to spread everything out on the internet and then we realized its repercussions but the thing is that the young generation is too exposed and that is wrong that is wrong we cannot uh, have them too exposed to everything we cannot have them too exposed to hurt we cannot have them too exposed to madness, to insanity, or to, you know, uh, their violation of their personal and private space and of their head space. Most importantly, the violation of somebody's uh, personal head space. That is extremely important. When we, when we 
violate somebody's personal space. It's not just a physical act. We can also violate somebody's headspace. And we're doing that. We're doing that through the internet and we're doing that through over-sexualizing every single act and gesture and thought and relationship. And we're doing that by, this is, this is brainwashing, okay? This is basically brainwashing. So we're talking about how we don't want people to be brainwashed anymore. And then we go on to brainwash our version of what it is that we want people to think. So that is wrong. So again, I would say if a person is, for example, gay, um, we have no right to offend that person. We have no right to judge that person. We have no right to say anything to hurt that person's feelings. But at the same time, we also have no right to force other people to get in with it. To, For example, I know that there are all these kind of, they think it's maybe funny or maybe they think that it is, you know, um, to um, to try to lure people who are extremely hetero uh, into uh, into becoming you know a bisexual or into becoming homosexual and and again why I mean it again it means that you are deriving sadistic perverse pleasure from making somebody uh, enter into something that he is not. Uh, he normally would not do or he does not agree with and you are brainwashing that person into thinking that uh, this is the only way so that is wrong that is completely basically wrong you can't do that just like how you can't force see again that's where the whole fight began right you can't force a gay person to become straight so why are you trying to force straight people to become gay that, that is one of the biggest issues right now, which I think people are sort of turning a blind eye to, but this is getting more and more and more of a common running theme that I'm seeing in so many of these. Um, again, remember, we as writers, we know how to manipulate people's thought processes. Um, politicians manipulate people's thought processes they, they use writers to do that. They use people who are good at creating narratives, remember, to do that. Um, we create narratives, we bring it to screen, and then when we start pumping the screen with the same narrative over and over again, that is essentially brainwashing. So it's like, you know, because as a, if you need to remember, the media, mainstream and social, they're not just used to pass information or to, en to entertain. They are basically mediums used to plant uh, to plant a certain way of thinking or a concept or a way of life into people to normalize things that they would not normalize to introduce new things that they find different and help them to you know uh, un to become one with it for example so it's for example you know when when the whole idea of of uh, progress begins and when people are resistant to progress then we use the media to show the people the positive effects of progress be it in relationships be it uh, actual development be it financial be it social you know all the different changes that occur in life um, so we kind of sort of push people towards um, 
you know, understanding and accepting and acknowledging that new change that has entered society. So it's very important. We have to deal with it very responsibly. Uh, it's very important that we we do not overuse or abuse our authority uh, in that way, because then again it would be brainwashing. And so, what's the difference between us and the people that we have been trying to fight uh, with regards to this exact same problem, and that is brainwashing. So we rebel against brainwashing only to brainwash other people into what we think should be the way of life. And that is the irony of it all. So we talk about freedom of uh, freedom to choose and then we're forcing people to choose what we want. So we're forcing girls to now wear uh, mini skirts and tank tops because we think that is trending. We're forcing girls and boys to think that if they're virgins, then that is something that is very embarrassing and that is something that is very bad and that they need to get it fixed ASAP. And then we're so you see, th th this is exactly the same thing. You are not bringing freedom to anybody. You are just forcing people now to go the other way from the one way that they were at to the other way. So first we had a problem with people who had a problem with those who were sexually active prior to marriage. Now we have a problem with those who are not sexually active prior to marriage. So, you know, you, you really need to figure it out what exactly it is that you're trying to convey here. So we had a problem with women who were not empowered, but now we have a problem with women who are actually empowered because they prefer to dress modestly. And now we want them to be, you know, uh, trending you know, to fit into what we consider women are supposed to be. And that is it once again, back to zero sexual objects. Again, now sexualizing every single thing, it means that we are now pushing the whole society to move out of platonic and pure and innocent relationships and sort of throwing them into sexual relationships so that everywhere they go and everything they see, uh, would only appear in one way to them or in one color to them instead of a variety of colors that they could healthily choose from. So we're not promoting mental health here. We're just degrading the, the human mind even further by boxing it into an even smaller, tighter box that will eventually be locked. So we're not helping anybody achieve freedom in anything or of any kind. We are just locking people up once again into what we think should be the norm and that is not freedom it's not freedom in relationships it's not freedom in thought processes it's not freedom physically speaking again you know because we are now telling people how to act and we're telling people what a certain act means and so if another person is not aware because that person is not listening to your brand for example of message and so that person is not aware of what that act is. And then, you know, the other person thinks that, oh, he should be aware of that act is. And then things can go wrong very fast, very bad. So we need to teach people what we need to educate people on is that there is a variety. You know, there are various signals that mean various things to various people in various situations and various conditions. And similarly, there are various relationships that mean various things to various people in various conditions. And that we have, uh, everybody has his own self-worth, uh, the way he grades himself. And that everybody knows between right and wrong. And that everybody 
is making his or her own decision best as they can in life and that that is what we need to respect the independence of thought which we claim that we're working on but actually no we're doing the exact opposite of that so that is what we need to look into you know in order to have uh, a generation that would not be driven insane before they reach their 30s a generation that would be vulnerable to all kinds of exposure and attacks that they shouldn't really a generation that does not know how to protect itself from these uh, violent acts um, we have exposed the generation to too much too soon too far we have stripped them of their sense of privacy and their independence and thought process. We have stripped them of their sense of self-worth as they expose anything and everything of themselves out there in the internet and then they get hurt as a result. We have stripped them of their innocence. We have stripped them of the learning process, of the journey that journey of learning new things in life, we have stripped them of all of it. There's nothing new under the sun, but then now there's nothing new at all for them because they've, they've already been exposed to the sun right at the start. So there is nothing new in life. And that's when it gets messy and gets gory. And then psychologically, you always take a hit. Always. Don't try to think that, oh, these things are trivial or it. No. Psychologically, you always take a hit. And when you take a hit psychologically, then that scar is almost always forever. We need to teach our children the importance of privacy, of self-worth, of independence of thought. The, we need to teach them all about research as in learning more and more and more about all the different things and all the various colors in life, the cultures, the thoughts, the, we should expose them just like how our uh, generation or the generation before us, or our parents' generation, I think they were more exposed to different cultures and their writers and their works than, in, than the current generation really. Um, I think that appreciation for variety is, is key, but never force that person to change who, or who he or she is to fit what you think is the norm. It goes both ways. It goes both ways. Just like how you did not want to uh, you like how you had a problem with society that did not understand your how different you are. So now society will have a problem with those who are not different. You know, so it, it's counterproductive and counterintuitive. It it should go both ways. Each and every difference and each and every acceptance of that difference and tolerance, that is what we should be working towards. We're not supposed to be forcing women what to wear because that suits what we think is how a, a, a powered woman 
should uh, look. Um, we are not here to force gays to become straight. We are not here to force straight people to become gay. We are not here to force people to sexualize every single act uh, or gesture. We are not here to force people to sexualize every single relationship. We need to give a healthy perspective to ourselves and to everybody else. Well, this is me uh, signing out <laughs> because uh, I think I've tried to convey the message as better as I could. I may have left a few things out while trying to explain certain other things. And yeah, but I do hope, I do hope everybody would realize that although we think it's trivial, it's not. Every single time we force somebody to think our way, even for something as small as the way we do things in our daily lives, uh, you know, if we just realize the effect it can have, the compounded effect, I think we would stop doing that and we would realize the impact. And then we would also realize that really it's true, there is no freedom in thought process. We're not allowing any freedom in thought process. Well, this is me signing out for the heart.